Mazumder, who uh, does a great job over at Handcam or Business School. What an awesome, awesome new addition that is over there. And uh, just really, really cool stuff. And uh, I knew, I do, I knew this guy would uh, would would show up. I mean, right on time as always. It is Travis Roeder, and uh, he's become a uh, boy, kind of a must-read, I would say, on especially on uh, Twitter. The man understands Twitter, and he understands how to uh, break all that film down. Travis, did uh, so you attended the um, – and welcome back to the Matt Mosley Show. Uh, good to have you. You attended in person the Baylor TCU. Now, I would have advised against that because um, you were t- saying you wanted to experience that as a fan. My experiences as a fan at Eamon Carter have not been great experiences. But there you were sitting up there trying not to tweet – and, and just take in the, take in the game. Uh, first of all, how was your experience out there? Were you with Baylor people, or did you have some uh, folks in purple close to you? Well, my wife and I met our sophomore year at Baylor, and she's probably a bigger Baylor football fan than I am. So we've we used to go to a lot of games together, obviously. But since I started the media stuff, I've and we had a kid last year. So, anyways, we we had a. Our, my mother-in-law came up and babysitted, and we were able to just go as a fan. So we really enjoyed that together. It's just fun to just watch football. Um, and it wasn't bad. I mean, obviously the game wasn't ideal, yeah. but it is fun to just – after, you know, Matt, the press box can be a little bit stale. Um, so just getting down there and actually getting to be out in the sun and uh, watch a game was fun. I don't know what you're talking about. I really enjoy the press box. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like it too, but it's a it's a different experience, you know. I know, I know. I do like it best in the press boxes where they'll take down that, uh, they'll they'll kind of open it up where we can hear the crowd and right. Uh, right I know yeah. what you're saying. Like I'll be at Sunday, I'll be covering the Cowboys out at AT and T Stadium, and and they do not, you know, put the windows down at all. So you talk about a sterile environment. What I always yeah. love is Travis. Our friends always go. What's that like, man? That wouldn't it be awesome to see a game from the press box. And if we took them up there, I think they would have a far different op- opinion about what yeah. it's like. <laughs> Other than the, the the free food aspect of it is always uh, nice. Now, Travis, you got home that evening and you started watching the game. You started kind of reacting to it. Was it um, was it worse than you thought it was going to be? having watched it live in person, or was it about what you thought it was going to be when you started kind of looking closely at the film of, of Baylor versus TCU? Uh, a little bit of both, and I think that's kind of how it always goes. You know, whatever you lose, you're never as bad as you think you are, and whenever you win, you're never as good as you think you are. Um, I think any fan can kind of see what happened defensively. I mean, the the quarterback had too much time to throw, and then he just picked apart the secondary. And, you know, you can kind of get more granular than that and really dive deep. But at the end of the day, that's the top level of what happened, and that's really the granular level of what happened, too, defensively. Offensively, they just had that three- or four-drive period where it just seemed like they were out of sorts. The rest of the game, they moved the ball pretty much at will. Um, but they just, uh, you know, that one second quarter, essentially, is what it was, is what really doomed them there. So, you know, TCU is not as good as Baylor. Um, they won the game, obviously, and that's college football. Better teams lose to worse teams all the time because it's so dependent on playing with focus. It's so dependent on playing with passion. It's so dependent on, uh, you know, 
organizational buy-in all week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of just the breaks went against Baylor in that game too, as far as, you know, Gary threw two passes that were, that were a little bit suboptimal and both were picked off. Baylor probably dropped three interceptions they should have had, et cetera. So I think if any of those kind of plays turn the other way, you might see a different result. But at the end of the day, they, just, they all the big moments, Baylor lost all the big moments in that game and college football really is a game of moments. Yeah, that kid had a breakout game. Chandler Morris was was uh, pretty much awesome, and he made you know he it, it wasn't like sometimes I've seen Duggan and other quarterbacks throw it up and they get some there's some kind of lucky stuff that happens. This dude was was kind of on fire from the start. One of those first throws was almost a back shoulder. That may yeah. have been a tad bit lucky. There were some bears down there that should have been in position to make the play. But that sort of gave him confidence, and I think I'm talking about maybe Johnston, you know, made yep. the play. Now, for for everybody, just so they understand, on the play that 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 won TCU the game, and of course there's a million other plays that 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 came up, but the deciding play because it looked like Baylor was going to go, go down the field and have a shot. First of all, you and I are on the same page. The the, the thought that they were just going to keep running and yeah. and into the line and set up for like a 50 yard field goal or whatever is not really – and I know a couple of years ago they – I mean, it was like a miracle kick. They tied it and then won that game in <laughs> overtime with rule. I'm, I'm afraid that's what Baylor people think is supposed to happen. There was no – before we even get into the play that happened, the, the interception. I mean, Travis, you, you had to try to advance the ball at least 10 to 15 yards there. And, and you weren't going to do it just by hammering away with Abram Smith off tackle. Yeah, I mean, the only reason the Baylor was regularly moving the ball in the second half is because TCU all game had been playing with their safeties about seven yards off the ball and daring Baylor to throw the ball. Um, and so you're not going to move the ball by running into a brick wall. I mean, the play right before the interception, I'm pretty sure, was like a two-yard loss running play. Yeah. So the idea that you're just you can't just guarantee that you're going to run for five yards every play. I, I know fans like to think, well, like when it matters, we have to be able to run the ball. There's degrees to that uh, on a fourth and two inches. Sure. Uh, but not when, you know, you still need to get 20 to 30 yards. I mean, hell I'd want 40 yards. I don't want to kick or kick and be on 20 yards with a, uh, with no time left in the game. And uh, you know, I don't, the coaches, you know, you want to score a touchdown. So yeah, I mean the idea that you were just going to just slam your head into a wall and, and that was the prudent thing to do. Um, yeah. I totally yeah. disagree with that. And I'm, I'm glad All you're right. on my side there. <laughs> I, uh, we are on the same page on that. Travis Roeder, who uh, boy does, you can, uh, you can see his work on the, uh, give them your, give everybody your Twitter handle so they can start following you. Cause that's uh, some really good film work that you do. Well, it's just my name, Travis, uh, and then underscore Roeder, R O E D E R. And uh, yeah, yeah. Love, I love to talk football. So, yeah, give me a follow. And At Travis underscore Roeder. Yeah, that's good stuff. So um, on the throw in question, the guy jumps the route. Shadrach uh, Banks used to play at A&M, big dude. Uh, he basically, you know, I say he, he just ran the route. He's right there. Did Gary, do you think Gary just in his mind thought there was no way especially with a guy that big, was going to be able to close that quickly? Or was that just like a really poorly underthrown ball? Like I, I, I keep coming back to when you looked at the film, could he have thrown that thing, you know, uh, uh, further ahead of the receiver? What, what did you kind of, when you broke that thing down, 
uh, it was bad all the way through. But what exactly did you see? Yeah, I mean, well, A, I think a perfect throw there has a chance at a completion, but it still would have been a really tough catch. I think prop, my best, and again, this is this is speculation on my part. I, I don't know this. So basically it was mirrored concepts to both sides of the field. So they were running quick outs on both sides of the field. And that's anytime you have a mirrored concept, uh, what you're doing is you're telling your quarterback to look at the defense before the snap. And on a quick concept like that, you're not going to like read one side of the field and then come back to the other. So it's a pre-snap thing. Um, and for whatever reason, my guess is that's a ball that he throws – to the other side of the field where they had R.J. Sneed wide open uh, 99 times out of 100 throughout the rest of the game. But my guess is, is in that kind of one-minute-to-go mode, he was thinking, I just need to get a, court, a, a quick, short completion. I don't want to risk a throw to the field. But, of course, the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the ironic aspect of that is that the quick, short throw to the field was actually much riskier because they had guys over there. Uh, more guys over there than they had to the the wide side of the field where the ball was open. So I think it was probably just a, in the pressure situation where Baylor hasn't been all year. It was something I was telling my wife before that last uh, that last drive. It would be really curious to see how Baylor operated in that uh, in that two minute offense because that's not their game. And anytime we've seen them try and drive the ball to, at an end of a half before, because that's really the only other time we've seen them have to try and go quick because they're always usually ahead at the end of the game. Um, it hasn't worked out well. So it was nice to see those first few plays work out. But I think uh, two-minute drill and stuff like that is definitely something that just comes with experience. I know you're more of an NFL guy, and I, I think that's kind of a trope in the NFL too. You know, until you kind of get in those big moments, you never really know what you got, and you got to work your way through it. So I think that's just something that Gary had to experience, and he'll learn from it and hopefully do better. Yeah, next time. we wish he didn't have to experience those things, but sometimes, uh, sometimes it does happen. It does. Does yep. your wife like when you start talking about creepers and and different <laughs> things like that? Does she uh, does, does she like that? Does she does she she have a real depth of knowledge like you, or is she more just a a fan and enjoys seeing the Bears play well? Well, I mean, I think it's more the more the latter, but obviously okay. she she humor, she humors me by listening, and I and she does enjoy uh, enjoy when I try and tell her to you know, look at the safety here or whatever. But, you know, obviously I, I, I dive a little bit deeper, but I kind of envy just being the, the normal fan sometimes because it's nice to, she just gets to cheer, whereas I'm kind of overanalyzing things. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Travis Roeder, uh, writes for Our Daily Bears. Our Daily Bears is at Our Daily Bears, and they got some good stuff up there. Although some of these basketball previews, some, some of you guys do, it's like, 6,000 words or something. Travis, we don't need that much. My goodness. I, I think Twitters. Kendall should have done 6,000 more. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll read Kendall read it no, no matter the length. No, I, I, I think uh, I, I thought maybe they would turn it into another book. But uh, <laughs> no, no, he does a nice job. Now, tell us uh, about Oklahoma, what, what I think folks would like to know. And we don't have to get too far on the weeds on this, but sort of the macro view of this. Why is um, why is Grinch, who seemingly had the OU defense going in the right direction, it seems it seems kind of funny to talk this way about an undefeated team, but quite honestly, they have not played that well this season, and and they've given up a lot on defense. We know they have some big name linebackers. Benito's the one that kind of comes to mind to me. They usually have great linemen. I don't know if that's the case this season. What? What is the biggest thing Baylor has to do 
Saturday to uh, to pull the upset. Well, yeah, they have some good linemen this year, too. I mean, they have a lot of talent across the board, even though their defensive backs aren't that great. They're extremely athletic. Uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast when you're at a program like that. Even if you're not that great, it's kind of like Texas, your guys are going to still be super athletic. Um, but it just kind of comes back to organizationally. You know, if you're when you allocate that many resources, and by that I mean practice time and just thinking time and everything else and scholarships and everything else towards building a great offense, um, time is very limited in college football. And so I think their ceiling is almost kind of like the ceiling of the Baylor defense under Bryles. Like, at best, you're getting a top 25 unit uh, thereabouts, right? And I think that's kind of what we've seen from OU. When they're playing all – when they're really going all out and playing really well defensively, they're about a top 20, 25 unit in the country. But they just don't really have a ceiling much higher than that because their culture isn't built to play defense that well. And as far as what Baylor needs to do is, because they have good athletes uh, – you know, they play a lot more man coverage than most teams do. It's actually kind of similar to TCU. Um, I think we're going to see them challenge Gary to throw the ball down the field again. Uh, So that'd be something early and often early to watch in the game is, is, you know, the two defenses this year that have had success against Baylor's offense, which is Oklahoma state and TCU. They've stacked the box on early downs and just dared Baylor to throw down the field every play. Um, so we'll see whether uh, Oklahoma does that, and then we'll see whether Baylor's wide receivers are able to win against man coverage. Obviously, there's a ton else going on, too. The offensive line has to play well against a good defensive line and everything else, but I think winning downfield is probably going to be the primary thing to determine whether Baylor can score a lot because they're going to have to score a lot to win. And, you know, on the other side, they're going to have to get this up. You know, this thing about quarterbacks that can move around, it goes back to Texas State, and that's one of the things that Aranda keeps bringing up is, and he does it in a very intriguing manner. I know we both enjoy hearing some of these news conferences. Folks, not every coach is like this, by the way. No. You don't like, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, he, he probably gives us more than almost any other coach, especially in the Big 12, would give. If you've heard a Lincoln-Riley news conference, you would know. I mean, there's, it's pretty dry. There's not much there. Now, maybe it's something with a young, new head coach that they're getting, but uh, I, find all that, I find all that fascinating. But back to the point at hand, Travis, really quickly, I, in my mind, they, they've got – this is a quarterback who's extremely athletic, and, and obviously the offense has been ignited uh, by him, although they played, like, they played horribly in that first half against Kansas. Um, and and I, I would say more than ever – and Dave Miranda was saying this too, all these like getting to the right level, taking the right angles on defense. I mean, one of the biggest plays in that game the other day was the Baylor's best player on the whole team, which I think is Jalen Petrie, and he just missed the quarterback. He just came over the top of him, and I think this is another guy, Travis, that you have to be very much under control with in pursuing him. Absolutely. I mean, here's the deal with Caleb Williams. He's going to make – you know, whatever it is, I'm just pulling on uh, – this is just a random number. He's going to make five plays a game that nobody in the country can defend, right? I mean, uh, if you if you, if you, you as a fan show up expecting Baylor to clamp them down and for Caleb Williams to never make any amazing throws down the field, you're going to have a bad time. It's just going to happen. So the defense's job is to make sure, okay, when he doesn't make the greatest plays of all time in this game, we need to make sure that we do our job so that just on the kind of ho-hum every other down – 
he doesn't beat you. And you do that by playing with good technique and playing sound. And so, yeah, that's the big thing. Like I said, so he'll, he'll, he'll make a guy miss and make an amazing play, but you got to hope that, you know, that happens once every three or four drives and not every drive. Cause if that happens, every drive Baylor has no chance. So, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff that like you were mentioning that Dave talked about in his press conference, I wrote about it in an article this week, but it's just about playing sound. It's about guys trying not to play outside of themselves because Ultimately, defense is about being your 111th, as Aranda likes to say. You have to do your job, and if you try and go outside of that job, you make things a hell of a lot worse. So guys are going to have to play within themselves and play sound in order to you know, slow them down this weekend for sure. All right, Travis, I appreciate it. This is the rare opportunity for a Longhorn Sooner sweep, and I, I think That's we right. should be play, playing that up, especially with them trying to leave us. Appreciate you, Travis, and uh, hope to see you in that stale press press box as you describe it, okay? We'll, we'll apologize right. to David Kay and the rest of the guys for that. No, 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 not their fault, yeah. Uh, Thanks, Matt. I'll be good. Bye-bye. There he goes. Travis Roeder joining us.